Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Senate bill, of course, which which has more traction. All of that is just telling folks in our community who are transgender Hoosiers of any age that we don't belong here. The fact of the matter is, is that we are Hoosiers, we belong, and we're going to keep pushing back on this for, for as long as we're able to breathe. And I will, with my last breath, continue to push back on that. They are not going to drive me out of this state. Hi, I'm Heidi Beidinger. And I'm Stephanie Wilson. And welcome to What the Gerrymander, brought to you by Hoosier Victory Alliance, also known as HVA. I'm a former candidate for State House and current member of the St. Joseph County Board of Health. And I'm a co-founder of Hoosier Victory Alliance. You're listening to What the Gerrymander, our podcast about reclaiming and rebuilding our collective political power in MAGA-captured states. This week, Heidi is back with us after a tropical vacation. Our podcast is for Indiana residents and people living in other MAGA-captured states because MAGA is implementing the same strategy of voter suppression, gerrymandering, and cruel culture war legislation across the country. If you live in a blue state, please consider adopting Indiana or another MAGA-captured state to help contest every seat and roll back the autocracy happening in front of our eyes. A $20 recurring donation to HVA will help us to start Blue Indiana and fund every single legislative candidate. Today, we're talking to Veronica Pedro, city council member in Greencastle, Indiana, and the only elected transgender individual in Indiana. Veronica is also an assistant professor in DePauw University School of Music, where she teaches courses in music technology and provides leadership for the university's instructional technology team. She's a member of Hoosier Women Forward, a board member of Indiana Stonewall Democrats, and also serves on the board of Indiana Youth Group. She plays jazz and blues piano with her church community and in Putnam County's music scene. She's a proud parent of two Purdue graduates and a resident of rural Greencastle since 2006. Our conversation with Veronica ranged from the legislation against transgender people in Indiana to what she's doing as a local elected official and what is most important in local politics. She is an amazing individual, and her heart is on her sleeve for every piece of the conversation. We hope that you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy talking to her. Hello, Veronica, and welcome to our show. We're so glad that you could join us on What the Gerrymander. Thank you, Heidi. It's a pleasure to be here. It is great to see you. I see your cats on Facebook, so it's wonderful to see you your face and not your cat's belly. 
As cute as that is. As cute as that is, yes. I know. I had one for 17 years. So today we wanted to talk both about what's going on in the country regarding laws against transgender kids and adults and about local government. You are a city council member in Greencastle, Indiana, and you are a transgender woman. So I'm hoping that you can share with us some insights about what is going on in this country and in the state of Indiana. It seems that MAGA is assaulting transgender rights right now, and I'm sure you're right in the middle of the discussion. So can you tell us what's going on in the state house in Indiana and across the country? You know, this is, a, and, and, and I appreciate, Stephanie, that, that you pointed out that this is a national trend. The fact of the matter is, is that despite what the talking heads on the evening news shows might suggest, transgender people have been around forever. We are part of the normal human experience. The ways through which we may be able to express ourselves and, and feel as as most authentic as we can be, you know, it has has evolved over the centuries and decades with respect to the ways that we're able to mitigate the dysphoria as it is in in our lives. But but to that point, with us being around for forever, the MAGA folks all across our country have gone from perhaps. Three or four years ago, I think it was, there were 20 bills of this sort being filed in state houses. And this year, there are over 300 of them. This is, this is not an isolated incident happening in one state's state house. This is happening all across the country. And indeed, in the Indiana state house, the, the house they filed four different bills restricting gender affirming health care for, for minors, which I, I just don't even why 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 four of them the the redundancy of it all and then the the Senate bill of course which has been and which has more traction all of that is just uh, telling folks in in our community who are transgender Hoosiers of any age that we don't belong here and and I will with my last breath continue to push back on that they are not going to drive me out of this state. So that's happening. Uh, SB 480 is, is happening in, and has gotten passed through in first session through the Senate. And, you know, I was there to testify against this horrible bill that restricted parents' rights to support their gender expansive kids in, in ways that are consistent with every established medical standard of care. Folks across the aisle in the state house start talking about parents' rights with respect to parents having the right to ban books for other kids. They're picking and choosing which parents have rights and what kinds of rights parents have. Parents have had the rights for many years to support and affirm their gender-expansive children. And for some reason, which we will need to get some, some clarification from those folks, they've decided that this is a real hot-button issue for them and suddenly something that needs to be put the kibosh on it. And frankly, you know, that, that, that's telling folks like me, despite the fact that I'm obviously no longer a minor as I approach retirement age, that, that we don't belong in this state. But, you know, I mean, when you're telling kids and their parents that they don't belong in the state, that that's really that's really a shame. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. 
Well, it is a shame. And my sense of it is that it doesn't have as much to do with anybody's knowledge or or understanding of transgender individuals, but it's a way to increase power. If you take the most marginalized group and you other them, and you take away a sense of hope and the ability to be your best self, you weaken them. And we've seen this playbook many, many times in the past, which is why I want to start talking to parents to let them know that it's not somebody else's kid, right? It's all of our kids. In Indiana, the numbers are probably smaller. I actually live in Massachusetts. My son is in ninth grade. He has 10 gender, queer, or trans friends. And if you add the spectrum of sexuality to that, it's, I don't know, probably close to 20. So in other places where people feel a little bit safer, anybody's child, anybody's, all of our children could be trans. I think, Stephanie, you're getting at a point here is psychologists have have affirmed gender is a spectrum and and where we see ourselves on that spectrum, um, you know, everybody needs to find their most comfortable place of authenticity in that respect. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that when you've got talking heads on Fox News who are distilling down a very nuanced subject, which, which is life-saving, gender-affirming care for some children who absolutely need it with parental consent after a long and, and arduous intake process, and that those talking heads are spreading um, horrible um, mistruths. They're lies. They are lying that there are minors who are getting genital altering surgeries before the age of majority. And that simply is not within the standards of care. It's a lie and they continue to perpetuate it. And I'll push back even further to point out that when I was there in the Senate chamber a couple Wednesdays ago testifying and listening to what some of the senators were saying there in the room, it was clear to me that they hadn't read this bill because as the it's the long string of doctors who were citing the statistics of what actually happens in our state. We're testifying that we don't perform genital altering surgeries on minors in the state of Indiana. And half the Senate, what you mean they don't? And, and the fact of the matter is, is that they didn't read the bill. They didn't study the nuances of this matter. And they don't care that this is life-saving care for, for children. And, and there are families who are, you know, for the sake of their, their children's health, are now working to explore alternative places to live and leave the state of Indiana. And again, you know, when I ran as a candidate, and I don't want to always conflate everything back to my own race, but, you know, my, my race was about making Greencastle a more welcoming and affirming place for everybody to, to enjoy what we've got to offer here. Well, I, you know, I, Veronica, I wanted to add something ahead, to what you're talking about in terms of yes. our legislators who are clearly uneducated about the topics that they're speaking about and making decisions about. We're yet at another topic. So remember when we were just in the abortion issue last fall, 
And they were talking about abortions being performed at 38 weeks and all these lies were coming out. We're yet again at another topic. How how are we going to get how are we going to get past this moment? We we keep saying legislators are uneducated about the things that they're making decisions about. Then when they are presented with the facts, they ignore them and they just go in this direction. What when does this stop? How do we how do we deal with this? You know, it trans people can only speak for ourselves as, as much as we're able to do so. There aren't so many of us that that we can always be the only ones speaking up. And we need allies like the two of you and everybody listening today to this podcast to, to get engaged and learn about this nuanced topic. Because as you pointed out, Heidi, just like the abortion issue, this is a matter of, of bodily autonomy. And when the party of individual freedoms is telling us that we don't have a right to our own reproductive health, or when we don't have a right to living an authentic, physical, corporeal presence on this earth, we're being told that we don't matter, that we aren't Hoosiers like them. And for some reason or another, they continue to hold power on these issues. The fact of the matter is, is that we are Hoosiers, we belong, and we're going to keep pushing back on this for, for as long as we're able to breathe. This is an existential crisis for people in, in the gender expansive community. Here's the thing about the bills like Senate Bill 480, which are just cut and paste stuff out of the ALEC playbook, out of the Alliance Defending Freedom playbook, and they've got to bring in their their professional detransitioners that that go around the country because there aren't enough of them. Fact of the matter is, is that affirming care and affirming medical care results in positive outcomes and no regrets for the people who receive it. Now, when we're talking about gender-affirming care for minors, we're talking about the opportunity to head off what for some children is a traumatic and life-crushing puberty event. And when we're in, in conversations with folks across the aisle who are saying, well, we can just, why can't they just wait until they've gotten past the age of majority? And it's like, do you realize the kinds of secondary sexual characteristics and, and the amount of time, sweat, money, and resources that need to be put it to undoing that incredibly traumatic first puberty for that subset of people who are gender expansive minors. That is really, again, a shame. And I thought that, you know, four or five years ago, once we started seeing the, the positive outcomes from affirming care for minors, that people were going to see, here are some outcomes people are telling their stories. And I will say that, that we have been we have been victims of our own success in uh, trans folks have from from the 20th century if if you talk to a transgender woman or a transgender man from the 1980s or 1990s and when i was first attempting my my transition back in the 1980s the general rule of thought was you get your care and you go stealth you live your life and you move on and now that legislators are stealing our freedoms to bodily autonomy. They're saying, no, we're going to stop you from doing this until you're 
21 or 25 or 26, and we're going to take away the the um, right for insurance companies who do business in our state to provide you care because we don't think that that's a good idea either if they receive funds from our state. And believe me, those bills are passing in Tennessee. Those bills are in the queue for Indiana later on. And you know, they even admitted it in, in the Senate chamber a couple Wednesdays ago when I was testifying that this Senate Bill 480 has been in the works for years. And here it is. And we need we need to be better prepared for what's coming around the corner because first they're coming for us. Unfortunately, yes, they're coming for trans people first and then they're coming for other people next. It is a well-trodden path. I, I definitely see marriage being back on the table. It really is. It, it's really ridiculous what the, what they're up to and, and what's coming around the corner. And I don't know what their end game is or where it's going to stop, but the, the slippery slope of it all. Well, you know, I think the end game is division and the end game is white, heterosexual, male, Christian hegemony. And I think that if we're going to fight it and win, we need to all be allies. We need to contest every single state legislative seat and give people the money to do that. We need to up our game in terms of education. We need to up our game in every single way. And it takes people like you speaking out. It takes people like Heidi speaking out. It takes our kids. I don't think that people really know the difference between Gen Z and say, Gen X. I'm Gen X. Gen Z is identifying as LGBTQ plus at at least 20%, if not more. Gen X, three. Mm -hmm. It's everybody's children. We can't let them divide us because it's like culling the herd. Right. That's what they're trying to do. You know, Stephanie, you were talking about this being about the politics of division, right? The politics of division is, is, is never a winning strategy in the long game. If you're playing a long game politically and goodness knows that that as somebody who transitioned well after my first puberty right. and, and had my second puberty well after my first, that that I'm all about the long game. And the politics of addition are going to prevail over the politics of division. And what they're doing there is just in the long run going to be a losing strategy, even when they gerrymander our districts in such a way that continue to disenfranchise and disempower our, our vote. And I think that one thing we need to do is be out talking to every single voter in the state. We need to empower people to go and knock on every single door because people need to know that that the other folks out there are just as human as they are. Yep. So uh, this is part of our long-term strategy and, and clearly of, of yours. I think that what you are doing as a member of local government is one of the very, very important first steps toward bringing people together and, and forming a more inclusive and welcoming Indiana. So Heidi, I'm going to throw it back to you so you can talk to Veronica about her work in local government and the politics of division is that we combat that with the politics of addition or coming together. And that's, that's why I'm here. That's really the only reason I'm here. Indeed. So. 
Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks, Stephanie. I'm thinking about when I was running for office last fall, we were on the heels of all the decisions that had been made about abortion care in Indiana. And I remember thinking, history is on my side. They've just alienated literally 50% of the citizens of Indiana. And surely this will be the thing that will tip the scales and we should have a blue wave here in Indiana. And of course, exactly opposite happened. The exact opposite happened, right? We we virtually got nothing out of it. So as I'm listening to you, Veronica, and, and to you, Stephanie, about how we need to reach people, abortion wasn't compelling for them. Abortion care wasn't compelling for them. And fewer people know fewer trans people in Indiana. How the hell are we going to overcome this? This is the thing that like keeps me up at night, right? If abortion that affects 50% of the citizenry didn't tip the scale. And now we have, you know, these unbelievably cruel, actually nonsensical, not based in science and medicine. And we're not going to get people to stop this either. How are we going to approach our electorate? How, Veronica, what are, what are going to be some of our strategies that we're going to use to overcome um, what's happening here? Well, let me make one suggestion right off the bat. I think that we could do well by going away from straight ticket party voting in our state. I think that that has proven to disenfranchise change agents' voices in our government, and especially those change agents who come from a place in the center. You know, 43% of, of people in the United States identify as being independent of, of either party. That is incredible number that, again, the politics of division are never going to pull more people from that 43% into a winning coalition than somebody who reaches out and recognizes that we need to come together and support one another and no matter how we look, how we might talk, and, and how we might worship, and who we love, these are all things that we can celebrate amongst ourselves. And rather than dividing the residents amongst our neighbors, we need to find good opportunities to come together. I really think that a portion of the division that we've been experiencing over the last several years has been a product of pandemic-fueled bubbles that we've unfortunately needed to place ourselves in and folks having a lot of time to spend on the internet sourcing information from places that are less than reliable. I'll just say that. I'm aware of, unfortunately, neighbors in, in my neighborhood who've um, hung out the Q flag. And it's just a, a little distressing because these folks are my constituents too. What I think, getting back to your original question, Heidi, I think it's important that any candidate, whether you're a transgender candidate or running for office or whether you're in, in somewhere else on the LGBTQ spectrum or, or whether you're a candidate of a minority faith, if you're a Muslim candidate, what you need to do is find those common values that unite your community, celebrate the common values that bring mm -hmm. you together so that, that you can co-elevate in your community. Go back and, and, and reflect just briefly on, on my own election from mm -hmm. 2019. Case that I made as a distinction from my rival in, in that, and who was my neighbor from two blocks down the street, had to do with some statements made online about Muslim folks. 
And the fact of the matter is, the statement was a repost of one of those memes on Facebook that says, I want all the Muslim people banished from the United States. I turned and said, you know, this is a religious liberty issue. We all belong here. This is a country where we can all celebrate everyone's different religions. And indeed, here in the third ward of Greencastle, DePaul University has its Center for Spiritual Life. Every Friday, there's opportunity for Muslim students and faculty to come together in prayer in that building. In my community, in my ward, I want to make sure that those people feel safe and represented well in their city government. And when folks, and we're hearing it in the state house too, you know, are saying disparaging things about people because the way they look, the way they love, the way they worship, the way they talk, this is not the Hoosier values that unite us. This is not a winning strategy in the long run. It might get you some campaign donations and it might get you through the primary, but in the end, at some point, we're going to prevail because the politics of addition will always win. Wow. I want to pivot in so many different directions from that because you touched on so many important points, especially that idea of touching on the collective values, right? Identifying the collective values. When Stephanie and I were working on my campaign, along with my campaign manager, Mary Noon, that was always at the epicenter of everything that we were working on. The mailers we were doing, the, I mean, even down to the tweets that we were doing, you know, what are those collective values? Because I always said to people in the field, we agree probably on 80% of everything that is going on, right? So why are we not focused on the 80% and improving upon, building on that 80% of stuff that we all want? good education, parks, you know, roads you can drive down without blowing a tire, you know, these kinds of things. And then, yes, eventually we can get to these, you know, the sticky, messier whatever's that we've got to deal with. You know, gender-affirming care? Thinking about the common value thing. My campaign slogan of 2019, which I'm still using in my campaign banner these days, is good neighbors, great neighborhoods. Those four words, good neighbors, great neighborhoods, still resonates with me as 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 I'm thinking about how to do my messaging this year as a, as a candidate. And it's also a principle that, you know, back in 2019, it helped me build a coalition of people, you know, parents of trans kids in my community and people of different faiths in my community. And God, I think 30 different just leaders in my community who signed a, who signed a statement of support that, that went out and we canvassed all over this tiny little ward of Greencastle to ensure that everybody heard a positive story about how we can do better at being neighbors to one another. So what are your priorities and what are you hoping to accomplish? things that we have done already over the course of the last three and a half years, in addition to navigating a historic pandemic, right? We have done a complete salary study of all our municipal employees, which is a big deal here for retention and morale amongst all of our municipal employees, but especially our public safety officers, our firefighters. And we do have a full-time paid fire force here in, in Greencastle, as well as our police department, that they are being paid at least at parity with communities around our state. In addition to that, 
we worked together in breaking ground on a community center here in Greencastle, which is a collaboration between the city, the YMCA, and our local hospital, providing a sustainable path to engaging better for our regional hospital here, the only hospital in our county to have a better presence for the community. And we're doing historic infrastructure investment here in Greencastle as well. The um, the budget for street repair for fiscal year 22 was $415,000 for our city of 10,000. And I said, can we afford just to double this number and, and go to 830? And we're moving forward this year with a doubled street repair budget. We've got more good work to do here in Greencastle. I've got three priorities right now that, that I've been focusing on. One of them is more infrastructure work. So we need to keep this budget at a, at a level that's consistent, not just for uh, you know, making sure the potholes are filled, but, but improving our ADA accessibility and creating better parking areas for folks who are in wheelchairs and our elderly residents as well. The second one for sure is housing access and housing inventory mm -hmm. here. We actually, we're at historically low unemployment. And indeed, we have more jobs and, and good jobs here in Greencastle than we have housing to house those employees. We need to expand that housing inventory and we need to make it more accessible. Finally, third pillar, as it were, is really that I want to focus on transparency in communications. We're already live streaming our council meetings on YouTube Live. We're moving over to a more interactive platform where the events can engage and, and see votes underway as, as they're happening visually on the screen. It, it's kind of cool and they see the agenda and this promotes civic engagement. This is good. I want mm. this transparency. I know that there are ways that I can engage with my community better. I'm looking forward to having some open hours where folks can stop by and, and say hi. And, and I'll, I'll do that all around the neighborhoods in the coming months. All of those things feed right into those values of yours about good neighbors and great neighborhoods. That infrastructure so that people can walk and see each other, right? And that they have lights on in the evening and the dusk time so that people can see each other. That they, that they can get to their bus stop. And by the way, those lights are being changed over to LED. And, and we're, we're doing all of this and we're doing it sustainably. Yeah. And, and so then, then the, my other observation of this is that the things that you guys are talking about, Greencastle, are exactly the kinds of things that we're talking about here in St. Joe County. In South Bend and Mishawaka, same things. We're all talking about infrastructure and making better neighborhoods so that people feel more connected, not disconnected. Because the truth of the matter is, as human beings, we are hardwired for connection. We prefer to be connected to people. We don't want to be unknown to the person across the street or across the neighborhood and so forth. So I just, I, I suddenly, I'm feeling all of this energy from you and feeling inspired by the things that you're talking about. I wonder if there are some recommendations that you would make to our listeners in terms of taking action, not only on the transgender issues we were talking about, but also the local government piece and how involved you are in your local government. Well, there are many ways to get engaged in the civic process. You don't necessarily need to be an elected official. That said, if there are opportunities where you 
can see that you have a unique voice that needs to be at the table and there are opportunities for you to sit at that table, take that seat and get there. We can lead without authority. So you don't necessarily need to have an elected title to, to have a leadership role. You know, in, in our community, we have many boards and commissions that I sit with people who live both inside and outside of the city limits. I love it. I, I think, Veronica, I would echo the idea that there's a seat and a place for everybody. And it can be big and it can be small, right? I mean, you, you've bitten off the big, the big chunk. You know, you're actually an elected official sitting at the table making decisions about budgets and so forth. But there are plenty of opportunities, both big and small, volunteer boards. Every single person needs to take part, right? Thank you for this conversation. I think that our listeners are going to be energized and they're going to also feel better educated about the topic that's happening and recognizing that this is not the end. You guys, there is no bottom anymore. There is no bottom. And eventually they're going to say something about the healthcare for this white woman who is 56 years old. They're going to eventually say, you know what? Maybe you don't need as many mammograms as you've been getting. Let's, let's, let's limit that. I mean, that's what all tells me. This is not done. It affects all of us. So what's happening now for transgender people means that's what's happening for me. Yep. Bottom line. Thank you so much, Heidi. It's really been a pleasure talking with both you and Stephanie here this afternoon. So Pedral.com will take you where you need to be, whether you're looking to sign up for text alerts or get on the mailing list or whether you choose to support the campaign financially. Awesome. Well, Veronica, it has been wonderful to talk with you. And I'd like to remind our listeners that like Veronica, you can run for office or if you know somebody who can be convinced to run for office. It's a great time to look around and see how we can start filling a lot of the unfilled or uncontested races out there and how we are all in this together. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Veronica Pedril. Next week, we will feature a conversation with Jessica Piper, Executive Director of Blue Missouri and former candidate for Missouri State House and social media influencer of the Rural Democrat set. Please send in questions for Jess to WTG at HoosierVictoryAlliance.org. Also, as you know, we're working toward building Blue Indiana and I ask that you make a small recurring donation at HoosierVictoryAlliance.org. If you like what you heard today, in the words of Gen Z, smash that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We thank you and democracy thanks.